great to see each and every one of you. And uh, my good friend uh, Mike came in a little bit later. Good to see him again. All right. Yeah. All right. We're going to call your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We're going to read just one verse and get things going here this morning. Matthew 5, 41. Of course, the, the cha this chapter, actually, chapter 6, 7, 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew are some of the greatest teaching that is recorded in the scriptures as far as just good old solid lessons on how to live your life. Okay? But here we go, this particular verse. Is what we're going to be speaking on this morning. It says, And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Whoever compels you to go one mile. Jesus is saying, you need to go the extra mile. Go double it. Go the extra mile. And that's what I would like to speak to us on this morning. The second mile. Amen. You may be seated. I was going to share a story with you, and I'm going to. Um, even though... Uh, where's that, that come from? Don't do what? I didn't hit the mic. <laughs> All right. Amen. Re reminded me of a of a story that uh, in my own personal life one time that kind of brings this out. And uh, I was uh, I was working in a dealership, uh, and it was Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Eve. Everybody had gone home. I was the only one there. I was very excited about working there at the time. And uh, I don't know what time it was, but it was probably a little bit later. And, and uh, I planned, of course, to go home. And, and I was there, it was probably about, I don't know, four or five, because Christmas Eve, they generally only work a half a day and send you home. But, I was trying to get things situated, and I had a customer, very good customer, that had just been to the hiding house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how many of you know where that used to be? Okay, and they came over and they knocked on my door as I was getting ready to close, and and. Uh, this particular customer said, hey, and they knew me, they said, hey, Grant, says, I want to buy that car right over there. I says, you know, he's been doing this a little bit at the Heidi house, but I knew this particular gentleman. He is very well known in the community. And I says, uh, okay. I says, we'll see what we can do. And I tried to get a hold of the sales people. Of course, nobody. I tried to call the sales manager and nobody. So what I did was I called the owner 
the owner of the store. And he said, sure, I'll be right down. And they made a deal on Christmas Eve, sold this brand new car. He was a happy camper. And I could very easily, I could very easily said, well, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, sales department is closed and I'm just a, you know, the service manager and I can't sell you the car. But because that I went a little bit extra, I went that second mile, it made two people, actually made all three of us happy. Mm -hmm. Number one, because I felt really good that I put it together even though I did not receive any benefit from it, per se. Number two, the customer was ecstatic on Christmas Eve, driving home in his brand new car. And number three, the owner of the business, well, you know how that goes, right? Said, wow, thanks. And then I remember, I remember leaving my last, uh, my last employer, and uh, I had given them two weeks notice, and uh, they, you know, I thought everybody was cool with that. So the last day of the job, as I was getting ready to leave, the general manager comes and stands at my door to my car and says, you can't leave. I said, well, why not? I told you I was leaving. And then he went on and on and on and literally almost to the point of, you know, trying to command me that I had to stay. And I, here's what I told him. I said, sir, I says, I want you to know that I gave you two weeks. You knew I was leaving. And I told him, I says, I'm not going to change my mind. I says, and when I walked out the door, I felt like, and I told him, I says, I feel like that I have put more into this business than I have received. And I said that respectfully, but I truly believed it. Yes. And that's one of the really, really valuable lessons in life. And Jesus is pointing it out here. And I think we all understand, at least we should, that that's a quality in every one of us that if it isn't there, it needs to be built on and put in place. Because the you, you, you must, you have got to have a desire. Ultimately, when you check out of this thing called life, yes. you want to have the mindset coming from a real inside your heart that you know that when you leave this place, you should have the feeling yes. that inside of your heart that you put in more into people, into whatever you're doing, that you put that second mile, you put the extra effort in. Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. And so, chapter 5 of Matthew begins with the first verse, and I don't, Brother Cliff, maybe he could kind of go through this a little bit as we make reference to it before we really get going here. But notice it in the first verse of chapter number 5, it says, In seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and then when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And Jesus began, as we know, he began to speak to them about a change that he was bringing to their attention. He was talking about a change that he was going to expect. And it literally blew their minds because they couldn't get the concept that he was trying to bring to them. And the reason why. And so in verse number one, Bible says that he opens his mouth and he begins to teach them some things that they have not really heard of before. And then closing it out in verse number 46 of the same chapter, the Bible tells us, I don't know if you can get that up there, uh, verse number 46, here we go. It says, and if you love them which love you, what reward have you do not right do not even the publicans the same. And so he ends with it and he's telling them that, listen, you can't love the same way that, that the publicans who are the religious people. That, he said, you can't love the same way that they do. He says, I'm, I'm going to give you something and it's going to to compel you and it's going to lift your attitude in the way that you see things if you can get a hold of this teaching. And he goes on in between those verses. He talks about, here's some of the things he talks about. He talks about salt and light, murder and anger, temptations, divorce, forgiveness, loving one's enemies. You see, because... During this time period, they followed the law. The law required only exact payment for the offense that was committed and no mercy. Why says, eye for an eye. You pluck out, you know, you pluck out my whatever. You pluck out my brother's eye and then the law, I get to pluck your eye out. Right? You knock my tooth out, and I, I get to buy the law. I, it's okay for me to stand there, and I'm going to knock your tooth out. And so that was their, their mindset. That was what, how they operated in life. And Jesus begins to speak to them in a way that they don't really comprehend. And what he's trying to do is he's setting the stage. He's, he's setting the stage for a very high expectation that is going to be implemented in the New Testament church. 
He's raising the bar. He's setting the standard. You see, because the first mile is required. It's set down by the law. It's motivated. Their motivation was because I have to. Because I have to. The second mile, we're going to be talking about, the second mile is voluntary. It's strictly voluntary. And it is willingness, it's a willingness to put in the extra that is not required. The second mile, Jesus is trying to get our attention. That second mile is going to be motivated by love. A love for God and a compassion toward men. Not an eye for an eye. Not a tooth for a tooth. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount has often been referred to as the most famous sermon Jesus ever spoke. Wow. One writer calls it the Mount Everest of Christian religion. The highest peak, he says, of Christianity with very few followers attempting to reach the top. So all through this chapter, Jesus is calling his disciples to a different in the way they see things. He's trying to get us to see the world from God's perspective. His attempt to help us to see people, people, from a supernatural perspective. He's trying to get us, them, us, trying to get us to see people in a different light. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And whosoever compels you to go a mile, he says, volunteer. You go the second mile. Sounds like a lot of giving, doesn't it? But let's look at the word compel. Compel carries the idea of a readiness and a willingness to submit to inconvenience and even unreasonable demands. Compel. You see, the Romans during that time, they had built somewhere around 50,000 miles of roads that connected their vast empire for travel. 50,000 miles of roads. And in each mile, each mile, there would be a road marker that would give direction and distance to the different cities as well as they would point the direction and the distance to Rome, where they got the saying, all roads lead to Rome. They were never, every mile, there was a marker in place. And it was during this time that the Roman Senate 
had passed a law, a law. It read like this. In any conquered province within the Roman Empire, soldiers may compel non-Roman citizens, able-bodied men, to bear their burden one mile, no more. So in other words, a Roman soldier traveling down the road going to nowhere land. It didn't matter what you were doing. It didn't matter if you were in your garden, out in the field. It didn't matter if you were a blacksmith or whatever you do. If the Roman soldier came to you and said, Son, I need you to bear my shield or weapons or whatever it was there was not a question there was never going to be an excuse you were by law required to carry that soldier's burden for one mile but no more he could not demand you to carry the second mile. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, here's a new, there's a new day coming where life is not going to be regulated by the demands of the law, but it's going to be impelled and compelled by the Spirit. I'm too busy. I don't have time. No, not the case. Luke writes, and he records the same lesson, but he changes something a little bit. And here's, here's some of the words of Luke. Same said. He says, love your enemies. Do good. Land and expect nothing in return. Can I borrow your shovel? Yeah. Well, when are you going to bring it back? <laughs> he says, and if you do it this way, he says, your reward shall be great and you shall be like the children of the highest. Right? Hold on. He goes on, he says, Be merciful, for your Father is merciful. Judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. Forgive, you shall be forgiven. Jesus is starting to try to get people's minds and raise them to a higher level of the value that we place in each other. Not, I want to, I, I can't wait to be able to knock your tooth out. 
I, I can't wait. Hey, now, get, get this just a little bit now. Here, here is that principle that is applied in a couple of different areas here. Verse number 38 of, of Luke's writing here. Here's what he says. Now, get to, he says, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. How many of you want a blessing like that? He says, Give, 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 expecting nothing in return, and your Father, who sees what you do in secret, He will put a blessing on you that is good measure, and He just doesn't put it this way. He presses it down, and then He shakes it, and presses it down a little bit more and shakes it and presses it down a little bit more until it is so compact and then it runs over because the container cannot hold it. He says, give. And he goes on to say, and you give this way and men will give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you give shall be the same measure that you receive. That's why that it's a principle in life. That's why that we encourage one another. That's why that we lift one another up. That's why that we pray God's blessing on you. Because when I do that, I know that when I do it in secret, that my Heavenly Father sees me do it. And so He blesses me to the point that I am today who I am because of the blessing of God that He has pressed down into this container. It works. It works because it is a law. Here's another one. This is law. Okay? Old Testament law. Malachi 3.10. Hold on. And if you're... If this may be new to you, I don't bring this scripture up to try to get you to think that I'm a money grabber. This is... Listen to it. It says, Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now. Notice this. Saith the Lord of hosts. Okay? I'm going to get back to that little title in it. He says this, And... If I, prove me now, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows 
portal of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Oh, wait a minute. There's more. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Oh, wait a minute. There's one more. And nations shall call you blessed. America. Hello. America. Church. America. And the world will call you blessed. For you shall be a delightful land, saith the Lord of hosts. Why? Where does that term come from? What's that all about? All three verses. Saith the Lord of hosts. Listen carefully. The Lord of hosts. This name is used because it expresses the universal dominion of God over the universe. The heavenly host is the entire army of angels with heavenly power to assist God's people whose main purpose is to strengthen and comfort God's people. Prove me. Gabriel, open the window of heaven. The heavenly host represents all divine or heavenly power made available to the family of God on earth. Jesus said, how vast is this army? Jesus said he could pray and there would be made available an army of 12 legions or 72,000 angels. Prove me now, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi was writing about the law. Israel was breaking the law. When Jesus is talking about that first mile, those Jewish people understood exactly what His point was. They understood that if they were compelled by a Roman soldier to go a mile with them, no matter how tired they were, no matter if it was night or day, no matter how great the burden was in their personal life, they still were required by the law 
to carry that burden a mile, but no further. And they looked to the point where that second mile was going to come into play, knowing that they could just throw the bags on the ground and walk away. They were compelled to help a Roman soldier. They were motivated by the law. They probably complained, but they knew the same law only required them to go one mile. And now he is telling them there is a new blessing coming and it is spiritually driven and it is a compelling spirit that is going to compel them to go the extra mile. And Jesus would never ask us or the church to do anything that He would not do Himself. Let me bring to you Jesus' first mile. His first mile was when He stepped out of heaven into human flesh. Galatians 4 and 4 tells it like this, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. This God, the Lord of hosts, He didn't even have to go the first mile, but He did. The first mile was when in... Who can explain it properly? Who can somehow explain and put into words the magnitude of the incarnate God? Who can explain this? His first mile was when he stepped out of his glory and he stepped into humanity and became our brother according to the flesh. Why did he do this? The writer says to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Jesus takes the second mile. Matthew 26, 36 through 39 explains it this way. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Listen very carefully and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. 
Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here and watch with me, or wait here and stay awake with me. Verse 39 reads like this. One of such powerful verses of scriptures. And it says, And Jesus went a little further. Yeah. That second mile. Yeah. A little further. Fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Never the less inconvenience. Very inconvenient. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will. And he cometh unto the disciples and finds them asleep. He says to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? He says, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The Spirit, the Spirit, indeed, is willing. Amen. Spirit is willing to love those that despise you. But the flesh says, not a chance. I'm going to treat them like they treated me. But he goes and he says, he says, the spirit is willing to go that extra mile. He says, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42, he says, he went again the second time. The second mile, still in play. He prayed saying, oh my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, church. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to drink the will of God right now. I don't want to drink this. I want Him to change it. I want Him to change this. The hour that I'm living in. I don't want to drink it. I like, you know, the first mile. Everything's good and happy and smiley faces. And I don't, I don't like this. I don't like the place I'm in right now. He says, and he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy.
And then the Bible says he left them. He went away again. And he prayed the third time, saying the same words. And the answer is, this thing is not going away until you drink it. You see, Jesus, he carried this thing to extremes because he went the third mile. The third mile, the third mile was taking him from a place called Gethsemane to a place called Calvary. Now listen carefully here though. The third mile leads him away from Gethsemane to Mount Calvary. Now listen to this though. But along the way, it is possible that Jesus fell under the weight of that cross. And guess what they did? Guess what the Roman soldiers did? They compelled Simon of Cyrene. You understand is it he had, it brings a, a whole new meaning, doesn't it? They compel this man to bear the weight of that cross to help carry that to a place called Calvary. Jesus was going to, they call it Mount Calvary. That's what they call it. It's not a high mountain in a physical sense. Calvary comes from what they call the place of the skull. It's a little hill. But it is the highest hill that anyone would ever climb. And in fact, that hill was so high, Sister Amy, there was not a man. There was not a man that could carry the load up to the top of that mountain. But they compelled Simon to at least carry a part of it. Can I tell you today, and I, I do hope you receive this in, in the right way, that there is only one thing that God chose not to be able to do. He could not carry that cross up that hill by himself. He compelled humanity that if you are going to be saved, you are going to have to be a partner with me in this thing called salvation. You're, Jesus said, if you're going to be one of mine, you're going to have to pick up your cross and you're going to have to follow me. 
You're going to have to understand that this thing called redemption did not come from some boardroom with a bunch of CEOs trying to plan how to get out of this mess called planet Earth. This came from heaven's portals. This came from the throne of God. This came from heaven itself. This came from an army that had been established from the beginning that said, I will save my people from their sins. I am the Lord of hosts. I have complete dominion over everything. And I will come. And I will save. And I will go that extra mile. I'll go the first, the second, and the third. But he, there is no, he would not, he would not carry that cross by himself. He compelled men that if we are going to be saved, you're going to have to look at the reality of Calvary's cross. You're going to have to look at the reality that there was blood atonement, a sacrifice, a bloody redemption that was required to save you. And you're going to have to see it in all of its realness. And you're going to have to hear it. And you're going to have to smell it. You're going to have to get this thing in the spirit that it was given. You're going to have to receive it in the way that God brought it down to us. And that is that His plan was to save each and every one of us. But it came at heaven's expense. I've, I've preached it so many times that you see, they compelled Simon, Cyrene, to go that extra mile with the Savior. It's a, listen, it's a partnership. You understand? It is a, you cannot get saved unless there's a preacher that brings you the message. You understand? It's a, it is a partnership. Labors together, he said. Now I ask you with sincerity. Listen, the world, you cannot candy coat this thing. It's always going to be about the cross of Calvary. It's always going to be about the sacrifice of, a, of the one true living God that became one of us in order to save us and he couldn't save you and save himself at the same time. He had to give his life so that he could save your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But he compelled him. Let me ask you what do you see as you carry that cross? They say that Jesus probably bore the heavy, the heavy end, the, you know, the, the, the heavy beam. And, and, and Simon picked up the end of it. What did you see, Simon? Listen to me. What do you see when it comes to your redemption? 
Is it a preacher in a thousand dollar suit and a thirty million dollar building and driving a Maserati? What do you see? Do you see the material blessings of God so that you can have the nice home and the nice clothes and have the steady income? What do you see when it comes to your redemption? What do you see when it comes to the price that was paid in order to save you here now? There's only there's only one place you can go. You can't. Jesus went. He didn't go the first mile. He didn't go the second mile. He broke all the rules. All of the rules. And he told him, he says, you don't take my life. I'm the Lord of hosts. You don't take my life. He says, I willingly lay my life down. There's a miracle mile. There's a miracle mile. There's a place that is off limits to everyone. It's a miracle mile. They sing about it from, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. There's this miracle mile. There's this place that had to be conquered. It had to be defeated. Otherwise, it was going to take you and I, and it was going to lock us up, and they had the key, and nobody could get to it. All right, come on. And afterwards, he would appear multiple times in his resurrected body, the same bodies, more or less, that you and I are going to inhabit one of these days, if you believe that. Hallelujah. If you believe that. If you believe that. We're all, we're all going to be changed. Listen, I'm, we're doing our second mile today, folks, but there is a change coming. There's a miracle that is coming in which we will all change in the twinkling of an eye. Sister Marley, we shall be changed. He appeared multiple times. Jesus came unto them saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. And then John writes in chapter 1, verse 18, he writes, he gives us a little bit better description, and Jesus speaking, he says, and I've got the keys of hell and death. You understand, he went to that place that was off limits. Not in that we all don't get there, but nobody comes out. But Jesus went into that dark place called death and hell and he came 
alive. He walked into the room and he took the keys away from the adversary, the destroyer of your soul. He took the keys and he waved them in front of the church and he said, fear not, sir. He says, I got you. He says, I went to the place where you couldn't go. He says, and I'm alive forevermore and I got the keys to death in hell. Bible literally says that he became sin. That's what it says. But he took that sin and he nailed it to the tree, the Bible says. He took your transgressions and he allowed men to, they thought that they were just crucifying a man, but what they were doing was they were nailing my sins that were in his hands. They were nailing your sins to that cross. And Jesus said on the cross, with the nails driven in, he says, Father, here we go. Here's a mile. Here's an extra mile. He says, Father, forgive them. No, you cannot forgive that. There, no, no. Father, forgive them. You've got to be. You can't do that, Jack. You can't. You can't forgive some. He is the God of glory. Yes. He came Hallelujah. down to save us. They nailed him to a cross. He said, forgive them. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. No. What do you think? Those 72,000 angels are, they're having a meeting. They're saying, we got to get down. We are going to go down. And we are, no, no, no. Remember their mission? Their mission is not to destroy God's people. Their mission is to help us. Jesus said, there's a, there's a new there's a new age coming it's going to be driven by the spirit yeah. of mercy spirit of love yes. the spirit of forgiveness it's going to drive my people because why because they got that spirit inside of them this is God forgive them notice the, the author and I'm going to close here and he says Here's the first mile when we pray for those that pray for us. No, no, the writer said, here's the second mile when you pray for those that despitefully use you. Mm -hmm. oh my. Come on. Yeah. 
First mile, love your neighbor. No, 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 no. The second mile, love your enemy. Bless those that bless you. Yeah. No, no, no. Bless those that... What? Curse you. No. Yeah. Because you got my spirit in you. My spirit of healing. My spirit of reconciliation. My spirit of... Of, of, of repairing the wounded hearts. My spirit of renewing the spirit in your mind. My spirit that says, present your bodies. What? A living sacrifice. Brother Holly, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put in more. I want to get back more. The only way that you get more is when you put in more. And Jesus put all he had. John, there was nothing left when he got done. You understand? There was nothing left that he could give. There was nothing more. He gave it all. The spirit is willing. I hate that guy. Did you hear what he did to me? I hate him. Spirit is willing. Spirit's willing. Forgive me. No, I'm going to knock his lights out. <laughs> Pray. I'm okay with that. Are you willing to pray more? Read your Bible. No. How about study the Word of God? Give of your tithes. No. How about you give more? Worship. No, not just worship on Sunday, but you go out on Monday morning and you find you a place. Nobody's watching. Yeah, we see each other in church. No, no, no. You go that second. You go out there Monday morning before work, whatever it is that you do, that you're required to do. You go out there on a Monday morning and you find yourself a place where only you and only God, only yes. God knows. Hallelujah. And you begin to worship Him. Right. Praise God. Right. Praise God. 
That's the second mile. Come on. Mm -hmm. Pray for your family. Yeah. Well, of course you're going to pray for your family. No. How about you pray for my family? Yeah. And how about I pray for your family? How's your relationships going? Good enough? Good enough is not good enough. The only good enough is better. Better. How's your relationship? You you okay with that first smile? You're okay with just no no no. How about you go the extra mile? How about you improve? How about you grow? How about you become the Son of God that Jesus said, you have no idea what you can be until you allow me to be the God of everything in your life. And I close with this illustration of Elijah as they come. Listen to this very carefully. How many of you love Elijah? Huh? He's the man. First Kings 19, 4. Listen to this. You know the story. Elijah just got out of church the day before. Boy, he had church. Fire come out of heaven, consumed his sacrifice. Showed those people who God was. God showed those people who He was. And then He knocked down the rest of the false prophets. And men, you talk about church. He had church. And then Jezebel meets Him at the front door on Monday and says, I'm going to kill you. Bible says, Elijah ran for his life. And Elijah got to this boundary where the wilderness is on the other side. Here's what it says. Elijah left his servant and went a day's journey into the wilderness. He found a seat under a juniper tree and requested he prayed that he might die. Hold on. Why? Because he felt like that he had given all there was to give. And he was gone. Now, this happens to be one of the greatest prophets of all time, folks. He got to the place. He came out of church Sunday and he, he was rocking and rolling. And then the next day, he decided, I'm done. I'm going to go out on a high note. Yeah. He says, I'm no better than the rest of these guys. He says, check me out, Lord. Listen carefully. But instead, an angel touched him. Said, arise and eat. Host of heaven. Host of heaven. 
because God knew that Elijah needed to be yet compelled to go a little bit further called the second mile because there was something that he had to do that was going to be the ultimate importance and legacy of his life. What did they feed him? I don't know. But the Bible says that he ate and drank and went to sleep again. That angel touched him again. Said, Elijah, you get up and you eat. For, he said this reason, for the journey is too great for you. I have never been so focused as a blade. The same right here. Said Elijah, you are going to need this supernatural meal that I've come to fix for you, son. Church. I think you and I need to cinch it up a little bit and understand that you are going to have to, you are going to be compelled to stand for truth. You are. We are. We are. It's not time to give up. And sit under your juniper tree and say, God, hey, why don't you check me out? I, I don't want to. I don't want to see what is going to come tomorrow. Really, he said, you're going to need this because the journey is too great. You're going to need the supernatural that can bring you. Listen. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh says, I just want to sit down and, and I'm done. The spirit says, no, 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 no. There's more to this, son. You got to get the, you got to get this so that you can get to there. And the Bible says that he went in the strength of that mill for 40 days and 40 nights in order to get to a place called what? Called what? No, read the rest of it. And it was there on that mountain that he would be in that cave. And it was there in that mountain that he would get encouragement from God. They said, hey, I got 7,000. You think you're by myself? I got, I got, I got a hundred million by million. I got a hundred million of you guys just, just like you are. He said, Elijah, you're not on your own time. I got 7,000 of you out there. Hallelujah. It was there that in the strength of that meat, it was in that strength that God would show him 
the signs and the wonders of the earthquake and the fire and the rocks and all of that stuff. But listen to me, it was there also in the strength of that meal. It was there that he would finally be drawn into a new dimension of his spiritual life. It was when he heard the still small voice of God and the still small voice of God said hey he said Elijah fill your your fill fill your oil and go and anoint Elisha a new generation that is going to turn the world upside down that's why that we have to go the second month brother Colton listen guy you know you all know all of you got great potential don't get me wrong but you know there's you know when there's you know but Sam watch out saying better watch out Easton better watch out because this thing can get a hold of you. Yeah, yeah, this thing will get a hold of you. And you will forget on how valuable the basketball and the football and you know everything else becomes when you get when the boy when the still small voice draws you out of that place that you're at and you are awakened to a message that you have. As you stand with us. He went to the mountain of God. And then, watch carefully. And then it was, after he had placed that mantle, into the hands of, of Elisha that God raptured that man. There's a rapture coming, folks. It's real, Brother Craig. There's a rapture coming. Sister Marie, there's a rapture coming. Sister Amy, there's a sound. Jessica, there's a sound. You better, Brother Block, there's a sound that's going to come. There's a host. There is a host of angels. There is one that's got the trumpet. There is one that has his watch. He's looking at the time clock. He knows at what hour he's supposed to blow the trumpet. And the Bible says when he does, the whole world is going to change. But I can't give any more. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. How many of you have given everything that you've got? Raise your hand. Exactly. How many can give a little bit more? And I'm talking, I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about giving. Can I can I be a little bit more fervent? in my prayer life. Hallelujah. Can I up the ante just a little? 
Come on. Can I throw in a little bit more? Yeah. Can I can I pray and say, God, give me, you you've got to give me, you've got to feed me so I can feed others, God. That's right. Can I get it? Can I get it? Can I get it? Can I get it? Come on. Can I love? Can I love? Can I love more? Can I love better? Can I love can you love better? Can you improve? Is there room for improvement? Can I love more? Can I love? Can, can I encourage a little bit more? Can I tell you that how great and how magnificent you are in the eyes of God? Can I tell you that you're the most valuable person in His eyes? That you are His firstborn? Can I tell you that He loves you so much that if He could, He would give His life for you? Oh, excuse me, He did already. Praise God. We're just going to give you an opportunity this morning if you'd like to come. And we still, we, we want to be cautious, don't get me wrong. But if you'd like to come to the front, whatever your comfort zone is, okay? How many of you, how many of you believe that the Lord is calling the church to a second mile? Yes. Sure he is. Hallelujah. But I believe more than that, that he, there is a miracle mile that's in store for us that go the second mile. Yes, God. Yes, God. There's a miracle mile that's coming. Yes. Wherever you're at, if you want to pray wherever you're at, but this is what I would like us to really pray. Come on. Folks, we, we need to pray with all sincerity. Yes. That God would remove this plague Amen. from yes. us. Yes. We need it to be gone. We need it to go away. Yes. Well, you can't pray for something like that and expect yes. it to happen. Sure. Hello. Come on. Hallelujah. We need to pray. We need to pray even for the harvest. Would you lift your hearts wherever you're at this morning? They play and sing. Second mile. God, I pray, Lord God, forgive us, Lord God. Lord Jesus, forgive us of our The great, that's it. The great thing is, is that he will never ask you to go someplace where number one he will not be with you because he will and number two he will never ask you to go somewhere that he knows he knows that you can make it you understand he'll never ask you to do something that he knows you cannot do he knows you can do
help me to go and let me go extra, God. I want to go, I want to make the extra effort, Lord. I want to do that which seemingly is impossible, but I want to make it possible, God, with you by my side, God. Bless our young people, Lord. Bless our young people, Lord. Speak to them at an early age. Save them at an early age, God. Anoint them at an early age, Lord. Use us, God. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. Let me be, Lord, an earthen vessel, earthen vessel of honor, God. Oh, God, be with, Lord. Be with us, Lord.